What's going on, boys and girls? We have a really, really exciting episode of Two White Lights today. We had a really good interview with Sergio Luna, who is in 74-kilogram, 82-kilogram powerlifter. He is the state chair, USPA in the state of Illinois, meet director, USPA judge. But most importantly to me, he is the founder, owner of Sergio New Levels Fitness a place I like to call my home, I believe the best powerlifting gym in the state of Illinois. And we also had a really good conversation on how he started the gym, how he had his origins as a powerlifter, and a little bit of a conversation on the power surge meet that's going to be in Carroll Stream in October. So really excited about that. Me and Bane also got into the topic of the week, and we did a little review on Westside versus the World. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rival Us. Rival Us is a proud sponsor of the co-host formerly known as Enzo. I love the supplements. I believe you guys would love the supplements too. I think it will maximize your performance. And I'm all about performance. And you guys are meatheads. You guys are powerlifters. You guys are bodybuilders. You care about your performance. You care about your muscles. You care about how you look. If you need your supplements, go to RivalUs.net. Use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of all your supplement needs. I know the wife of Bane, myself included, love the new Rivalus warm-ups. It is a great protein powder that mixes with hot liquids. If you're a coffee fiend like I am, it is terrific. It complements the flavor of coffee very well with like apple cider flavors, mint mocha, hot cocoa, all those good flavors that go along with it. Powderborn 2.0, we had a giveaway recently on my page. Did very well. People really, really love that pre-workout. And they have great tasting protein powders too. I'm a sucker for flavor. I'm a sucker for cereals. I love all the cereal flavor ones that they have. It's very delicious. I'm a, if it tastes like shit, I'm not gonna buy it. And Rivalist's protein tastes great. So, Go to Rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15, get 15% off. And now, here is Two White Lights. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Carol. Carols. To the Carols. To the Carols. Carol Bain, Carol Fortino. Happy Mother's Day. Misogynists and Trash Talkers. I don't think Mother's Day is that important of a holiday. No. It's, uh, it costs a lot of money, this holiday. It it does. I have too many moms uh, in my family. Well, I I only take care of my my mom, my wife, and my Mm mother-in-law. It's still expensive. Yeah, but, like, I have my grandma, my sister, like, that's important, right? My aunt, who's pretty awesome. My yeah, mom. my sister gets a Facebook post, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. It's hard. That's a, yeah. Difficult one. And my mom's birthday is, like, in two weeks, too, so I gotta, like, pick and choose what gifts to give her. The good one yep. today or the good one on her birthday. But yeah, Next is in a few, uh, just a few weeks as well, yeah, beginning of June, so. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's difficult. But misogynist trash talkers, Mother's Day is overrated. But we got a really exciting show for you guys today. Uh, we got a great interview with Sergio Luna. We get into our topic of the week. We review West Side vs. the World uh, yes. documentary. We actually got Much some... anticipated. 
Yeah, and uh, we got to some imp- opinions from some of our viewers on Louis Simmons and Westside too. Posted that last night while I was watching it, and like I expected, on both ends of the spectrum. Yep. Love hate, but yep. Bane. Yes. Unfortunately, you weren't with us with Sergio's interview. I was not able to be there. No, I had a prior commitment. You were fulfilling your civic duties as a powerlifter. You were giving back to the sport. What were you doing? Yes. I was spotting and loading at the uh, beginners meet at 2XL uh, in Lombard. Uh, great time. Uh, I, I am enjoying more and more doing the spotting loading and just being around a lot of beginning lifters and newer lifters. Mm-hmm. Uh, always enjoyed bringing people in the sport, but it's a little different when they're coming into the Monster Garage. Is one or two at a time. Here we had 30 brand new lifters or folks that had never competed before at least. So that was uh, that was really cool. Yeah, it was, and um, I do like those beginners meet. It seems like a lot of people do show up to them, and they, it's a good sign that they're going to the beginners meet because they're serious about the sport. They want to yep. do well. They want to know the commands. They want to know the certain types of equipment they need to use. They don't want to mess up their first meet. So beginners meet is a great, great, great way to break yourself into the sport, and I think there's no better place to do it than 2XL. Really, it's a, it's a great atmosphere. Good, it's just a good space to have a meet uh, of that size. Uh, so it's very intimate, but at the same time, you have you know space to move, uh, space to get education, space to warm up. It's it's a really good environment to be in. Yeah. So how was how was the meet itself? Meet itself was good. Uh, two flights, one male, one female. Uh, really, everybody did a great job of picking their attempts. Nobody was you know way way out there as far as uh, what they were doing. Uh, got some good lifts in there. We had, uh, I think it was, there was at least one 400-pound squat. Uh, there was a, uh, a couple 500-pound deadlifters. So great to see the sport continue to grow. And it was across the board. It was really neat to see. We had everything from a, a 19-year-old uh, freshman in college all the way up to there was a couple guys in their 50s. Uh, and it kind of ran the gambit um, of, uh, of that spectrum. So really, really awesome. Very well done meet. Uh, I think that actually was uh, the Facebook Live on 2XL's page mm-hmm. uh, was up, so you can see all the lists if you want to. Um, I kind of got to play uh, the second commentator. Uh, I was kind of just talking throughout the entire meet because people were quiet. They weren't really into it at first, so I was getting people hyped up, especially for deadlifts. And that was, that was really fun just to kind of get the crowd into it, and so people just really, you know, were excited about the meet. And, and one of the things that having now spotted at a couple of meets, I, I recognize even more is how much of a spectator unfriendly sport powerlifting is. Yeah. And how much you need those announcers, that music, the environment there in the meet itself to make this a fun sport. Yeah, for sure. Is uh, MCing going to be in your future? Very possible. Uh, you know, the voice is definitely there. I not gonna lie. I kind of like to be able to yell from the platform. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, you know, uh, future holds, uh, a lot of opportunities, I think. So. Yeah, there's a few powerlifting meets coming up that I kind of want to bring my laptop to and have maybe a just booth set up and we kind of just commentate on things that we see. I think that during, would be fun. It would be fun. I think uh, I was thinking about that the other day, just uh, how that would be received, uh, the powerlifters that could kind of pass through, selling yep. maybe some upcoming merch. But I think that would be cool, and I think that powerlifting needs a little bit more of those, like, you know, like a vendor type of thing, but at the same time providing a little bit of an entertainment value. Yeah, I get some commentary, and, you know, that's uh, – people need the personalities. You know, Gino, um, I don't know what his last name is, but he, you know, typically travels with the USAPL. He's pretty well known. He provides a great atmosphere for people just because of his announcing, his voice, all that kind of stuff. I think that needs to be 
broadened beside just the big USAPL meets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, USAPL is going to be in Lombard, or is in Lombard currently as we're speaking. They open are, nationals. Yeah, so open, open nationals, which actually made for some pretty cool meet and greets when I was uh, at 2XL on Thursday. Yeah. So I, I do train at 2XL a couple times a week just because it's on my way home from work. Mm-hmm. And so I bumped into Bryce Lewis, a uh, bunch of other folks that were there for the uh, state chairman's meetings, the chairperson's meetings. Uh, so they, they were voting on a bunch of stuff from uh, rules to uh, participation uh, sanctions, that kind of thing. Uh, bumped into uh, Bonica Brown, who's actually one of my favorite powerlifters to uh, to watch, female powerlifters, open and raw world champion okay. in the IPF. Yeah, very, very strong, so I got to chat with her a little bit, uh, and then take some pics for the gram. I posted those up on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah, just, you know, having fun. Uh, I think uh, Russell Coye, uh his girlfriend competed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, uh, I believe he was here too. Uh, he did not train though over the um last couple of days so just yeah kind of an invasion of lombard uh for op- or for open nationals which is their version of equipped and then raw nationals will be in october when you're uh, when you're down there yeah um they also made the decision on the transgender uh policy or transitioning to male or female uh they did they and but i, I saw s- the youtube video was like an hour long and i was like fuck that noise i'm not listening <laughs> to all that yeah. shit so they had the i guess the discussion on it from what I was told, because I've I've not watched the video, I know I sent it to you like, hey, we should probably watch this at some point and yeah. you know, give our take. Uh, it sounds like they stuck with the previous decisions yeah. that other state um, chairman had made, just kind of staying on their message. I know some folks are not going to be happy about that, but that is you know for a different day. Uh, but yeah, they actually had they had medical doctors in there who spoke for well over an hour, and the discussion itself and the debate was a solid like three hours, from what I'm told. Yeah. Uh, the majority of the meeting on uh, on Friday was this topic, mm-hmm. and so they got pretty granular with the science. It looked like. Uh, yeah, that's where I kind of I saw uh, Bryce Lewis posted something on his story, and I just yeah. didn't understand anything that was going on. A lot of statistics, a lot of yep. um, sciencey shit going on, which I'm not very um, I'm not very knowledgeable on. So I couldn't really get generate an opinion. I'm like, I don't know if they're gonna stick with their decision change but what i do know is that they really really looked at it they really examined it and they tried to find any sort of argument that or they tried to uh double check and fact check themselves to make sure they're not excluding people from the competitions itself which is good good it's it's a good way to go and that's a really good approach to when you make a decision Make sure you're not stepping out on his toes, and make sure you're not being unfair. And and I think I, I think they're still going to step on people's toes. People are going to be upset about it because mm-hmm. it's not the decision they wanted to hear. But I think that they are doing the right thing in staying on message, and, and on top of that, they're using the data and the science to back it up, saying, "Listen, we cannot create a fair playing field," which is what they're trying to do overall with the way they set up the meets with two-hour weigh-ins, the drug testing protocols, et cetera. So they're trying to create as even a playing field as possible and let people's uh, strength do the talking versus, you know, potentially performing performance enhancers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree. So exciting stuff coming from this weekend. We got the beginners yeah. meet, you, uh, Open Nationals, which you'll probably cover a little bit more next week. Um, yeah. It's kind so of the result. one that's, like, pushed under the rug almost from, like, USAPL because – so much hype goes to you, uh, Raw Nationals. 
and that's just overall sport. I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but that's yeah. just kind of the, the way the sport has been going, and, and I think people recognize that. Um, you know, yeah, the, the equipped lifters, great technicians. It's amazing what they do, but they, they really don't get the spotlight as much only because it's just not a avenue that a lot of people choose to go into. Yep. So while you were doing that, I was interviewing Sergio Luna. Uh, very awesome. good interview there. We're on a Carol stream right in his office at Surgeon New Levels. He was nice enough to have an interview right after he was done lifting. Uh, awesome. I got there when he was doing the reverse hyper. So got in the interview. Um, really, really cool interview as far as how he started Surge, his beginning in powerlifting, and the upcoming Power Surge meet, which if you yeah. – are in Illinois, if you follow me or Bane, you probably follow Surge and New Levels as well, and you probably heard about the meet. Um, reposted, reposted, reposted. A lot of high-profile lifters are going to be there. Cat Prize. great meet. I, I'm i going to also volunteer my services for that meet mm-hmm. because I know it's going to be big lifts, and I would love to be up close and personal to those. Yeah, but at the same time, remember, might try, might try to get in there two white lights some other way. So Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, without further ado, here is Sergio Luna. And as promised, I'm here in Carroll Stream, Illinois, at Surge to New Levels Fitness, a powerlifting gym I like to call home now, which is pretty amazing. And I'm here with a very, very special guest. I got the founder, the owner of Surge to New Levels Fitness, Sergio Luna, with me. How you doing, man? Good. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate you joining the gym as well. No problem. Pleasure's all mine. You just got done with your lift, so how did that go? It went well. I'm feeling uh, really good right now. I'm just trying to get back into the groove after uh, finishing up Bar Wars and just mm-hmm. being like super busy with the uh, release of the uh, Power Surge. So that's been kind of hectic, but it's nice to get some time for myself in the gym. Yeah, and uh, we're going to talk about Power Surge. We're going to talk about a lot of things because to talk about with Surge, but little mini introduction for those of you who don't know, and a lot of our listeners are from the Illinois area. Mr. Sergio Luna over here is a pretty prestigious, pretty competed in a handful of meets. It's a 74 kilo, 82 kilo class, correct? Correct. And he is the state chair, meet director, and judge of USPA. And he's also run some really great meets, including Power Surge. But more importantly to me, because I'm pretty selfish, more importantly to me, he's the owner of Surge to New Levels. So... Take me through opening a gym, because when I first came here, it was a relatively small facility. Now it's growing and growing and growing, and a lot of people love, 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 love calling this place their home. So what was your journey starting your own powerlifting gym? Well, the brick and mortar was established in, um, I think it was fall of 2016. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be about three years um, going on this fall. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that before that, um, Surge Student Levels um, was actually more of uh, me being an independent contractor and just mm-hmm. kind of renting space out of another gym. Okay. And even before that, the Surge Student Levels actually came, I don't know if anyone even like knows what this is anymore, but Tumblr. It was a Tumblr blog. <laughs> So it was kind of like a powerlifting blog where I'd share motivation, you know, or motivational pictures and just kind of blog posts and, and general thoughts about the sport. And that's kind of when I got started. But um, that's where the idea came from. And really, long story short, you know, when I graduated school, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign. And I really thought that upon graduation, 
you know, I had done so many things and I had so much experience being president of the line at powerlifting mm-hmm. and just um, even hosting events at that time and, and just having that um, education from that school. I thought I'd have a job right out of the gate, especially, you know, something like related to fitness. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So you're telling me you didn't get a job out of college? Right. That yeah. is a shocker. Right. I've, I've never heard that before. I thought you go to college, boom, job. Right. And it was really disappointing because, you know, uh, they tell you um, the American dream is, boom, you know, grade school, good grades, middle school, high school, college, and your life is set on from there. And that wasn't really the, the reality with me. Um, so pretty much I had, um, I had a few jobs. I ended up kind of actually trying to do something completely different Mm -hmm. that was still a little bit related to business, um, selling insurance. I did that for six months. And after six months, you know, I just had this moment where I woke up one day and I told myself, I feel like a zombie. I hate going into the office. I can't sit there anymore. I can't do this nine to five. I have to do what I know I want to do in my life. And so I literally told the agent that I was working for, because he was trying to set me up to be an agent, I told him, look, I'm really sorry, I appreciate the opportunity, but I have to go ahead and do my own thing. So with like literally no clients, no base, nothing, I quit. And um, luckily, I had a friend who owned a uh, private uh, studio, kind of similar to uh, what I own now. Um, And so I told him, hey, look, can I just train clients out of your gym? So that's how Search Team Levels really got started. It was just me training clients. For a good uh, a good year and a half before I realized, wow, I think I can go ahead and do this by myself. Mm-hmm. Started saving money little by little every single month, buying a piece of equipment here and there. I think my first piece of equipment was a was a Texas Power Bar, and I was like beyond excited. It was like the most amazing thing. I never thought I'd own something like that. And then um, you know, uh, it came to be yeah, fall of 2016. We went ahead and said, okay. Let's go ahead and do it. We signed the lease. We got the key. Um, and at the time, it was just kind of half, You like you mentioned, it was, it was very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and honestly, at that point, there wasn't really much. I think we had two power racks, maybe a bench. Like, it really wasn't a lot. Yeah, I believe one platform, monolift. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, the kilo plates, though? Yeah, the kilo plates. But all of it was, uh, was done in baby steps. Mm-hmm. Like, literally every single thing was done one thing at a time. It was, boom, the mono, boom, the kilo plates, um, a little bit more bars here and there, um, and then slowly just kind of growing with the pace of what we saw mm-hmm. um, until eventually, um, I think it was uh, this past summer, we decided, look, I think we can expand. We knocked the wall down. Luckily, we had room for that next door, and uh, now we've grown a lot more since then. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been the general journey of, like, search new levels. Yeah, you say baby steps, but at the same time, what I saw from the very first time that I've been here till now is a massive growth, especially with this element, the environment. Mm-hmm. So take us through how you create that environment in a powerlifting gym for people to actually want to come in. Since day one, my vision has always been really strong to what mm-hmm. I really wanted to create. I don't know how to explain it. Um, it just like, it's something that's inside of me that I just like know that I want and that I can literally see in my head Mm -hmm. since day one. And a lot of that was really influenced from my time, uh, training with, uh, team Lillybridge out at, um, originally we were training out of Jacked Hardcore and then we moved over to Barbell Central in Aurora. 
And so a lot of that environment and that feel that I got to go ahead and experience when I was with them was something that I knew for a fact I wanted to go ahead and bring to search to new levels when I went ahead and, and opened up. So, you know, it, a lot of that was just learning how to go ahead and kind of, uh, create a team mm-hmm. of powerlifters, you know, versus what I had been used to was just kind of training by myself in college. Okay. So a lot of that was that team environment, learning how to rotate, um, learning kind of just, uh, you know, how to spot and load for other people, how to go ahead and be there for your teammates. So I really wanted to bring a lot of that to search team levels when I went ahead and opened it up. Because here's the thing. I knew that the equipment was important. Mm-hmm. I knew that would definitely make a big difference. Um, but realistically, um, you know, that's not the only thing that I think adds to the environment. Okay. Like you really have to have, um, a solid community of people who are there to support and motivate each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was getting at Barbell Central when I was going there. So I wanted to go ahead and bring that over to search team levels to make sure that it thrived. So even when people join now, I always tell them, you know, you'll come for the equipment, but you'll stay for the people. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you look through the uh, the topic that we have today for the 2 Life topic, it was what qualities do you look for when joining a gym? If you go on my page, you go on Bain's page, we have about 90 different comments of what it is, but it all falls down to, surprisingly to me, because I thought it was going to be equipment, it was all about the environment. Right. People wanted to be surrounded with different people that will make them stronger, whether it be really, really good competitors, really, really smart people, or just people who will support them throughout an entire workout. And big reason why I joined, and we're going to get through it more on the show topic, but big reason I joined, one is surround myself with other powerlifters who could actually call me out on the shit I'm doing wrong as opposed to the shit I'm doing right. Right. Because I think the first day I was here, I immediately got told, like, hey, you got a hip shift going, and we worked on that. Right. It was awesome. It was it was a great feeling, too. And and I was about to ask you the most important qualities of opening a gym, and you pretty much answered it with the environment. Equipment's good and all, but you got a bad environment, people are more inclined to leave. That's right. I think a lot of it, too, um, really has kind of um, evolved, I think, from Jackie and I's ability to be able to go ahead and kind of give ourselves to other people mm-hmm. and to help other people. And it's kind of like a ripple effect. Yeah. Because we're at a time right now where powerlifting is growing like crazy. Yeah. You know? And so somebody who's new uh, might step in, and that first encounter with uh you know with that kind of new world is kind of what they go ahead and they they learn from and they go ahead and they start applying and moving forward with so a lot of the big things that we go ahead and we do when we meet people that come in is number one we preach uh humility yeah we preach uh respect and we we really preach um you know just being there and helping each other Mm -hmm. and i think that has really translated into um, being able to create that community as well because we go ahead and we share that and teach those uh, new people to go ahead and keep that as a standard. Well, guess what? When the next set of new people come in, they're going ahead and they're teaching them the same, Yeah, you know? Um, so I think that really is super important as well um, to adding towards the environment and the culture of the gym is just that ability to um, go ahead and make everybody feel like, you know, um, they have a home here. Yeah. That whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or you're world class, 
you know, we're all the same. We're all trying to get strong. It really doesn't matter. Um, we all respect one another and we, we share that sense of humility. Yeah, and I've seen that a lot as just being a member here for a very short while, but I have came in through while I was going prep for my first USAPL, uh, USAPL meet was I saw you and Jackie really take the time as coaches, because you, you are coaches too, correct? Correct. Yeah. So as coaches, sit down and talk to your clients. Really, really work with your clients. Not just getting videos from them through, you know, Instagram or something of them emailing it to you. Sit there and legit talk and have a face-to-face interaction with it. So I think you guys do a really good job with that, and it does add to that team environment of the gym as well. So you made this great amount of progress in surge new levels. A lot of people love the gym. It's growing, and I, and I think it's going through a lot of growth right now. What are your future goals with the facility itself? We have actually gone ahead and started looking into new buildings okay. uh, for the upcoming year. Uh, so our lease is going to end um, in another year or so. Um, but before the lease ends, you know, there is a typically as a business owner, you want to go ahead and prepare for that transition. Obviously, I can't just shut down the gym while yeah. I'm building out, you know. Um, so I think a lot of that process is going to go ahead and start, uh, really in January, okay. looking for that building, confirming it, and then going ahead and kind of evolving it from there. Um, but that's just, um, kind of going once again with the growth. And like I said, all baby steps, you mm-hmm. know, um, like when we first opened, we kind of like judged, okay, this is how many people we have. This is a good space for now. Then more people started hearing about it and wanting to come in. Then we expanded it. And now I think you're right in saying that right now we're seeing a uh, a big um, you know surge of growth um, in the gym. So um, we definitely are going ahead and taking that into account, and we're looking into new buildings because last thing we want to do is have it become really really stuffy. Yeah. You know? uh, luckily though, the good thing about the fact that the majority of um, our members are powerlifters and strongmen is that they're all really supportive and they help each other. Yeah. So it's not like it's commercial fitness where somebody's sitting on the bench and, like, they don't want to share. Mm-hmm. It's more like someone's sitting on the bench and they're like, hey, you want to work in with me? Because they want somebody to go ahead and spot them, help them, uh, maybe give them some cues, maybe give them some feedback. So it, it still works out really well with the amount of space we have. But honestly, I mean, we have about nine different places to squat. Yep. Four power racks, three combo racks, two monoliths, mm-hmm. something like that. You know, four platforms, uh, four competitive benches. So there's still a lot of room, but you know, um, it, it does seem like a lot of people are starting to want to come in. So we want to, we want to make sure that's, um, you know, we're helping those people out. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in this area and throughout Illinois are going to be really excited to see that expansion as well. So, and I, I'm especially looking forward to, to it as well. But, a lot of people probably ask when they see you about Surge, about the uh, directing of meets. I'm curious because we've talked a lot just throughout different meets and just seeing each other at the gym, but mostly about just um, what's going on now. How did you get your start in the sport of powerlifting? What motivated you to start, you know, pick up a barbell? I've been lifting since I was 16 years old um, at the time. I was, like, super obsessed with, um, with like, the bodybuilding culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think a lot of people get their start with the bodybuilding. Yes. And I, I remember I just had this, um, I had, I don't know if anyone remembers this, 
but it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Yeah, I had it in my bathroom. That was a good toilet read. <laughs> it was a, it was just such a great source. It was. Like, it just like amazed me, and mm-hmm. the pictures were just like insane. And he articulates things very well too in that book. It's an encyclopedia, but it's articulated so well that you could grasp all the concepts from it. Right. Still a good book to grab for anyone, just even in powerlifting and exercise science. Grab Arnold's book. Yeah, no, it's really a, uh, I think a timeless book, mm-hmm. and and it, and it will be for a long time. Um, but that's kind of how I got started. And, um, I was always kind of remotely strong. I think still when I was just kind of messing around that, I think I was like a hundred. Well, really when I first started as 115 pounds. Okay. Once I started putting on some more muscle, I think I was like 145 pounds being able to pull 500. Nice. So, um, you know, but I was using straps and I was kind of like growing it out and, and doing touch and go and, and kind of just like. You know, uh, things that aren't quite, uh, relative to competitive powerlifting. And I remember when I went off to college, um, they had the Atlanta Powerlifting Club. I went to the first meeting freshman year, um, sat down through the whole meeting and then they're like, okay, any questions? I say, you know, for the deadlift, can I use my wrist straps? Uh, no, you can't. All right. Then powerlifting's not for me. <laughs> so, um, I stopped looking into it. And then luckily I had some friends at the U of I who had already been competing. So I think it was by junior year. Um, so that was like 2012, some, sometime around then, um, that I did my first meet and it was a USAPL meet in, um, I think it was River's Edge. It's somewhere very, very down south okay. in Illinois. So that's kind of how I got started in powerlifting. And, uh, once I did that first one, I was hooked. And, um, since then I've done about, 15 competitions. Yeah. So it's it's been a journey. Yeah, I think my very first competition I saw you and um, Jackie and like kind of the like the pre-surge crew. It was like the origins of it too because I, I believe we were with, uh, with uh, Team Lillibridge as well. Mm-hmm. But it, it's funny that you say that when you're 16 years old you start powerlifting or you started working out and really obsessed with it. Because I was actually the same age, but that was for sports. Just because we do have a good amount of listeners who are 15 through 20 years old. It's okay if you bro it out when you're this age, as long as you know that you're going to make progress and you could identify all the shit you're doing that's wrong. Because it's a misconception that's like, oh, he's using 100% of his back, he's using straps and that kind of stuff that you can't improve. You're 16 years old and have a barbell in your hand and getting stronger, you could definitely improve and have a really, really good feature in the sport. So just a little FYI. Also, we wanted to cover this because I opened up Instagram one day, I opened up social media one day, and I saw through story, through story, through story, through my feed, Power Surge, October, when's the exact date for it? It's October uh, 12th and the 13th. 12th and the 13th. You had the Power Surge last year. We actually talked about it on Two White Lights uh, in a previous episode. We love the meet, how it was set up. This meet has a lot of hype already, and we're, what, five months away from it? Yeah, it's it's pretty far out. I don't even know how, I think, yeah, five or six, something like mm-hmm. that. I haven't quite counted it, because we still have some time, but yeah, it's pretty far out. I'm not even competing in it. I'm very, very excited to see what's going on, because we have so many different elements that make a meet great in this meet. So we got a cash prize. We got some great competition coming. We have a really good venue for it as well. So... One, take me through it. What's your vision for the power surge? And two, what do you think of the hype so far? And what is your... I'm extremely happy with how, 
you know, um, well received, this year's um, power surge was kind mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, because we released it and within like 24 hours, all 100 spots got filled up. Yeah. And that's just insane. Like I mm-hmm. would have never thought or, or, you know, in my head that something like that would happen. But once again, it's been baby steps, you know. Um, this is the third one. So the first one was um, two years ago. And so that one was actually my first real officially sanctioned meet that I, okay. that I had gone ahead and directed. Um, so at that time, I already kind of had a vision for what I wanted. Number one, biggest thing um, is I knew for a fact we needed a venue. Yeah. You know, just from day one. Like, you know, nothing against meets that are done at gyms. But I think there's a sense of professionalism Mm -hmm. and a sense of spectacle. Um, And not only that, but just, um, you know, a venue, I think, is more appropriate for the amount of audience um, that a meet draws. So I knew right away that I wanted a venue. Mm -hmm. So the first one had a venue. Um, I knew right away as well that eventually I wanted to get into cash prizes because, in my opinion... Um, the sport really needs to go ahead and kind of offer more incentives for lifters to go ahead and, and really, uh, I think start taking this to the next level. And I think already, um, you know, that's kind of the trend that we're following with cash prizes. And you see that where you have a ton of lifters coming out of nowhere and just being extremely competitive, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think like when I first started powerlifting, you didn't see that, like you didn't see that level of competition, it wasn't like that crazy. So um, I really do think that cash prizes are kind of like the the next big step for powerlifting, um, not just for a few meets, but just kind of like a standard in general. Yeah, if you, you know? want to get really good competition, throw some cash in there, and you'll get some really good powerlifters kind of coming and just people compete differently when there's money involved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, going into the second year, you know, um, I was lucky enough that um, uh, JB Boss had this idea. He's like, you know what, um, let's do cash prizes. And it kind of like went along with what I had already been thinking that mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, we really do need cash prizes. So that was kind of the next step, you know. So we, we did cash prizes that year. It went um, it went really well as well. And so now this, this year um, we're going ahead and we're bumping up those cash prizes. Yeah. We're going ahead and uh, we really made an effort to go ahead and invite um, you know, some big lifters. And in fact, on Pro Day, um, Pro Day, actually, we have like, I think, close to 15 to 20 women, which is awesome. Yeah. And a lot of them are insanely strong. Yeah. Um, and then Pro Day, like, it's, I think it's definitely going to be a battle for the top three. And, um, you know, we, we have, uh, one person with an all-time world record squat already. And then uh, we have one person who's going to be shooting for an all-time world record total at, uh, I think 220. Okay. So that'll be exciting to watch. Okay. Um, but that's kind of the next step for the mm-hmm. this year. And uh, we're already kind of thinking – the thing about me is I'm always thinking about what's next. What's yes. next? Um, I'm never content um, and I'm never satisfied with whatever kind of things, you know, that we're doing at the moment. I always kind of live in the future. Um, so already I'm thinking for, for next year what we're going to go ahead and do. But um, for sure, this year, you're going to see a little bit more of a spectacle, Yeah, uh, for sure. And we're trying to go ahead and really um, add a little bit more with the visuals, for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm extremely excited for this for so many different reasons. And a lot of stuff you just mentioned. 
Um, if, I, if I'm going to put on a meat director hat, which I never will, but if I'm going to put it on right now, I think if I'm going to rank things in importance, I think I would go cash prize number one because, like I said before, people compete differently when there's cash involved, and you will get a lot of lifters coming in for that. Two, I would put competition because a lot of people are either turned on or turned off of me due to the lifters that are going to be there. I think recently we're going to have a – or coming up is going to be a rock ball meet, Great. which that alone is getting a lot of hype due to this the amount of competition coming because people like competing against other great power lifters. We're competitors. Three, I think venue and the entertainment value. So stage, kind of like the visual aesthetics of things, great MC, great music, vendors, all that kind of stuff. I think what the power surge is becoming, you're starting to get that triple play of really, really great things of a meet. And I think we discussed this just right when I joined the gym. It could very well become like a Midwest Open kind of thing, like very similar to what the U.S. Open is. It could be like the Midwest Open in a way because we got some strong fucking people in the Midwest. We got Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio. It has really strong people there. If you could find one great meet to get all these people to come to, it could be something really, really special that the sport will just the sport will benefit off of as well. I think, but uh, Chicago has a lot of potential, mm-hmm. and I think it's been really untapped. Yeah, um, which is kind of surprising. I would say all the big cities too in powerlifting because you get all these massive cities, and like you know, bodybuilding seems to do well, fitness expos seem to do well, but powerlifting not as much. So. And it's usually at expos, too. So if you can find a meet for a great, great city like Chicago, yeah, I think uh, you're, you're definitely on the right track there that it's untapped. Yeah, there's a lot of really big lifters in the Midwest. And, um, yeah, Chicago is absolutely, I think, um, a really good in a really good spot to be able to go ahead and draw all those lifters, for sure. Yep. And, I, I again, we're really excited to see it, even though I'm not competing in it. Maybe one day I'll uh, end up competing at uh, the Power Surge. But it's it's really exciting. People are hyped up for it. Hopefully we'll have you on closer to the show or closer to the meet. And hopefully just as a guest in general, because I know Bane would like to be here. He's doing his great duties as a powerlifting competitor loading right now at a beginner's meet and Lombard at 2XL, but hopefully he can be in the studio. We can have you in the evil layer, as we like to call it, and have you on again. Thank you very much. I'm going to go get my workout in. Thank you for spending time after your workout to come talk uh, to White Lights, and hopefully have you on again sometime. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. All right. And we're back. Thank you once again to Sergio for letting us are for letting me interview him at uh, Sergeant Levels. A place I like to call home, I alluded to that interview, that is my new gym. Yes, yes it is. It kind of plays right into our topic this week. It does. So our topic this week is what qualities do you look for when joining a gym? And the reason why we chose this topic was due to the fact that, one, it's very important for powerlifters to mm-hmm. choose a proper gym for their training that will maximize their training, maximize their performance, and make sure that they progress in the sport. And powerlifters have a very specific type of training. It's not super, super basic. It can be, with all because all you really need is a barbell and some weights, platform, squat rack, bench, 
doesn't really get too crazy with that. You could probably find some variations that will help you with that. But picking a right gym is so important because at a commercial gym, powerlifters may have a hard time training. You're frowned upon. Frowned upon to an extent. Uh, I think it, sometimes you get a little bit over-exaggerated because every commercial gym I've ever been to, they've been really cool about me lifting weights. Um, but I guess if I was a West Side conjugate, Louis Simmons type guy, I would not want me in the gym either. So, nope. but I'm a raw lifter. I don't do a whole lot. I, I clean up after myself. I don't make too mess with the chalk. So I've been cool at commercial gyms. But at the same time, people are still looking for that environment to maximize their performance. Correct. And recently, I'm sure you guys saw on my Instagram that I've been training more at Surge. I did switch my membership to Brickhouse to Surge. So I will still be going to Brickhouse. Like, I, I do have like a $10 a month uh membership with them like i get to go twice a month over there i just kind of wanted to keep that open just in case i couldn't make it a surge one day so but there was a lot of factors going in making the transition from brick house to surge to new levels and the big reason why i made that change was one the environment the environment is key the environment was key to me because it's no longer lifters you know just watching my lifts and then giving me compliments and then actually it's it it, and and i'm not upset about it it's okay that they watch me lift and a bit of a humble brag complimenting me and being like oh man i can't believe you can move that amount of weight how long do you think it'll take me to get there and all that kind of stuff and like it's it's cool and all but at the same time that kind of like stops my workout in its tracks Mm-hmm. And they get in the conversation, they kind of, you know, do the whole nut-hugging thing, which at a point can get annoying. Um, but at Surge, you're going to get a different type of feeling because there are a ton of great powerlifters there. And I alluded to the interview, you know, the, one of the very first days I was there, we had people saying, like, hey, you have a hip shift on your squat. Um, is your hip bothering you? And I'm like, yeah, it actually is. So they worked on me. They helped me stretch it out. And tell me how does it feel now? I'm like much much better, and then the workout went much better as I went on, but still kind of gave me advice along the way, and that was awesome. That was great. Yeah. The environment there was great, and the reason why the environment was great because there's a lot of veteran powerlifters, a lot of really great powerlifters, a lot of very smart people that could help me progress in the sport. They will call me out on the shit that I do wrong. If I was at Brickhouse all the time, they they would think I had the deepest, best squat in the game, and you know that said this is not the case. Right. Same thing with my deadlift. They won't tell me what I'm doing wrong on deadlift because they've never seen 600 pounds come off the floor, let alone 700 pounds. Right. So that was a big reason. Also, uh, equipment. Yeah. Equipment. Uh, they got all the USAPL stuff. Three combo racks. A lot of power racks. Monoliths. Sergio talked about how they started from. You know, just one Texas power bar, and now they've grown into all the, all, really all the uh, powerlifting equipment you can need. They got the uh, belt squat there, too, a great belt yep. squat. They got a new one, a reverse hyper, which is, uh, we're going to get into reverse hyper and the creator of it later, but that's a really great powerlifting uh, tool, and the strongman equipment, too, that they have over there. Um, yeah. They have, they have all, all you can need them more, and then you can open up the garage and kind of you know, get your other stuff in. So that's the really the two reasons why I switched from Brickhouse to Surge. But awesome. 
And, you know, I pretty much just gave my take on what qualities to look for when you're joining a gym. Right now, it's the environment and the competitors I'm surrounding myself with. So those are the two things I really look for. And third, hours. I got to get 24-7. Yeah. 24-7, I got to go in there whenever I can. Um, yeah. I, if it's, if it's chopped up hours or like it closes at 11, I could probably get my work on them before then, but I like the option of going in there super early or super late. Right. Yep. So Bane qualities, yes. qualities I look for, uh, initially it was proximity. Uh, where is it in relation to the places that I am all the time? Mm-hmm. So whether it be home or work, uh, that is the, the biggest reason. A lot of people always ask like, why the hell do you train in Waukegan? Because uh, it's, you know, 45 minutes north of where I live. Uh, not exactly the mo- the easiest place to get to. I don't know, in, you know, in relation to where you live, I mean, it's a solid hour, hour and a half north. Yeah. So why would I train up there? Uh, I used to work at Waukegan, so proximity-wise, it made a lot of sense. However, as we as I progressed through my first couple of years of the Monster Garage, it became the environment, the people I was training with, the equipment, yes, I mean, we have umpteen number of bars. I, I have literally lost count of how many different bars and types of equipment we have. We have three full sets of Elite FDS bands. We've got all the strongman equipment. Literally, like, it fills up an entire half of a dock, of a, of a um, two-plated dock out in the, uh, in the garage. We have a dozen... 400 plus pound tires we have two 800 pound tires that we can flip out there so Mm -hmm. all the different things you would need for your strength training uh appetite and and on top of that i have two of the most important people in my life uh eric morosier and ronald lagaretta are both there and so they don't not only provide me coaching uh on the platform as well as often in the gym but then also you know as far as just Life mentorship, you know, these are two men that I look up to tremendously, and I have them in my inner circle mm-hmm. uh, up there at the gym. So that's kind of what initially what drew me to it was it was close, it was simple, uh, and it had a lot of, you know, cool toys. And then what it became is this environment that's allowed me to grow as a, as a lifter, as, uh, as a leader, as a father, as a husband. And so those things are incredibly important to me, even though I do train at – other gyms throughout the week, which are closer in proximity to mm-hmm. XL being one of them, uh, export in Arlington Heights because it's 24 seven. So I also need that, yeah. uh, to fit in, you know, my workouts for work, even when I can. So I have the means to have a variety of gym memberships, Yeah. but the main place where I, where I would train, do train and, you know, compete out of the monster garage. The biggest thing is the environment and how we get pushed you know, when you when you walk in on a Sunday, for instance, and there's five thousand pound squatters, there's a nine hundred, almost thousand pound bencher, there's two eight hundred pound benchers, you are put in an environment where you have to excel. Yeah, for sure. And when you surround yourself with great competitors, it's it's very similar to other sports. You will get yep. better in the process. Um, you do get complacent too. Uh, you. You could see it with just regular sports on dynasties falling because when you don't get challenged all the time, you really don't see a whole lot of room to grow. Correct. I mean, if you want to go into history too, you could say that about the Roman Empire. Complacency yeah, the breeds Roman Empire, the Greek Empire. Like yeah, it, it, greatness breeds uh, complacency, and when there's no challengers there, you kind of you, there's no real reason to get better. There's no reason to grow. There's no reasons to innovate. 
And I think that was kind of happening to at Brickhouse for me. One, it was taking just a little bit too long to get workouts in. There was a lot of crowds there, a lot of teenage lifters, wide variety of lifters. You have a 50-year-old woman doing cardio. You have one, like, bodybuilder. You have a pro bodybuilder over there. You have a, you know, wannabe bodybuilder. You have a 19-year-old just, like, kind of wandering around the gym, very confused and not knowing what to do, which is fine. Um, but then, like, it's, it's just hurting my workout. It's right. hurt, it's hurting my lift, and it's just like I, I gotta I gotta get my lift in, and I gotta be, and I also gotta be challenged. I think that it was just the same old thing was watching um, uh, the same people lift, and I kind of just want a different setting and see what other opinions I can get on my lifts, and see if I could get challenged a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things that I appreciate a lot about the environment I've been in is, you know. I don't think ever has anybody uh, not been willing to give me input on, mm-hmm. you know, lifts if they're not completely optimal. Yeah. And regardless of, oh, hey, I hit a PR, great. Well, you're, you know, your knees caved or your, you know, your hips shifted or your chest was down, you know, whatever. Like, great, you got the lift, but, you know, you damn near died doing it too. So yeah. do this, this, this to make it even better. Yeah. Uh, or, you'll, you know, in some way, some way that that would come out of someone. So no one's ever been afraid to do that at the Monster Garage. And I appreciate that a lot because to your point, you know, if I was training at the Y or training at, you know, a lot of commercial gyms, if I'm welcome, there's still a lot of guys who, you know, folks who are just nut hugging. Well, oh, man, you're the strongest person I've ever seen. Well, your frame of reference is very small, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to hear it, but it's, I, I do get kind of sick of hearing it too. Yeah. But uh, also, and Sergio referred to it in the uh, interview as well. If you have powerlifters in one gym knowing what the goal is, people will work in with each other. People will try to help each other, loading yep. the plates. Uh, the great thing about Surge is it got the monolift and the combo racks, so we can yep. adjust the squat height. So yep. if I was at, say, Brickhouse and I was squatting 400 pounds and a guy who was either squatting 300 pounds that day or uh, 500 pounds, it'll be a little bit more difficult, especially for different heights and like, because yeah. we would have to, it's a power rack, so we'd have to adjust everything, and there was one monolith. So, that's where the equipment comes into, uh, into. Very much so. Yeah, so we had a lot of comments on this, and a lot of people had very similar opinions on it. There wasn't too many unique, different ones. Um, there was no. certain ones that um, I, I, I didn't realize myself, but then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we got Matt Wallace saying, uh, clean quality, not too old, smooth operating, easy to use. And that's what I'm just looking for in the people. Equipment mm. has to be nice too. So that's good to know, Matt. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Iman said 24 seven, not everyone can get in yep. the gym early. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I, I need that 24 seven gym. Sometimes I do have to work out super early or super late. So I need yep. that. We got Frank Daddy twenty nine eat ass gain mass. He had a lot to say. Mono rack kilo plates, good dumbbells going over one hundred fifty pounds. Smooth cable machines and good competition. Uh, high quality benches, deadlift bars, power bars, and standard pound plates. No rules allowed to cuss. Slam the weights if hitting a PR and loud music all allowed. So hardcore gym, but with really good equipment. That's what that's what Frank Daddy's looking for. Uh, I'm going to go with one of our international listeners. Uh, did you know we're in Brazil now? We are. Yeah, we I are. saw. So, I... Will WJR, not a single powerlifting gym close to where I live. So I'm always in commercial gyms. 
First thing to consider is that they have stupid rules about deadlifting. Second is equipment. Also, just as important as the first, Olympic bars are a must. Third is they're going to kick me out if I need to bail on a squat. Yeah, that almost happened. I'm now saving money for a home gym. First, please don't bail on a squat. Uh, Unless you're in a gym that you're allowed to bail on a squat. Yeah, yeah. So, CrossFit, Olympic uh, lifting, you should bail your squats. Yes. Powerlifting, no. Living in, living in Brazil sucks sometimes. I'm going to say that's this is maybe the one instance where it does because I have seen many pictures and heard many things, and there's a lot of positives about living in Brazil from what I can tell. Yeah, I wouldn't live there, though. I, w- I wouldn't live in Brazil. I'm just going to say that. Okay. Beautiful women, but yeah. Yeah. From my from my understanding, you just like kind of might get kidnapped. So no, that's fair. That's fair. Well, strong people are harder to kidnap, so because we're harder to pick up. I guess uh, most, those Brazilian motherfuckers know how to fight. So true, I don't care do. how much weight I can bench if you have me in a rear naked choke or a triangle, I'm dead. You might might be done. Uh, Brock A. Myers price because I'm a broke college kid. That's yeah. Fair. Uh, but after that, there's going to be the ability to learn. If no one there is stronger or smarter than me, then it's a pass. Even if it's if it is not training together, having people around will help a ton. Very true, because mm-hmm. hitting PRs without spotters can be difficult sometimes. Yeah. Um, if nothing else. So. Yeah, and also getting people who actually know how to spot. That yeah, always helps. Uh, yeah, that's that's big. Um, I, I I think I, I've gone through that at Export and Brickhouse of people who I thought knew how to spot and they don't. Uh, yeah. Touching me on my squat, just don't. Don't, I mean, I don't care if you're not even lifting, don't fucking touch me during the squat. Don't put your hands on my chest, don't put your hands on my shoulders, don't do it until you see the weight dropping me telling you to get the weight. Um, yeah, that, yeah, you did it, you did it pretty well, but I, I was, I was, uh, I, I was pissed off once because someone did touch my chest on a 550 pound squat, PR, I don't think he helped, but at the same time, just don't want to. That that's because I know you. You're you're a such a technician and perfectionist. That tap, whatever that was, you, you in your head you redlined it, lift immediately. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was pissed. I'm like, well, now I'm, I'm not gonna hit it fucking again. This yep. is it today. I'm hitting five fifty, and that's it. So yeah, don't do that. Yeah. That's why. And bench. But, I think bench is the biggest one. There was one on yours that I I don't know if you happen to mark that one or it stayed up, but I guess like Eric Stone got in a little internet shouting match with somebody about being able to slam the waist down oh that was frank daddy well not well, internet no. shouting match they were pro- they were pretty civil about it but um yeah but do you know brandon franklin brandon franklin no. oh he's uh he's he's a character he he was a really good uh um guest on uh the broadcast uh okay. good power lifter two thousand pound total he's the owner of eat ass game mass too but uh he yeah he had that comment of slamming weights eric was like you probably won't have that good equipment if you keep on slamming the weights which i do agree with them to an extent uh the platform can get damaged if you continuously slam weights there can just be a little dent in it where or just kind of making it uneven and therefore you can't get your proper footing on a deadlift but here's what i think slamming weights really really fucking hard like doing the throw down yep or Doing a regular deadlift where you have, say, 700 pounds and you have to drop it really hard on the ground. Like you do in a competition. Still a good lift. You're not slamming it. But at a commercial gym, that has become a problem. People are like, no, don't slam the weights. Drop it where no one can hear it. It's like, well, it's 700 pounds. We can't really do that. Yeah, that's that's a challenge. So, no, I think where 
you know, Eric was getting at with that, because he and I talked about it on Thursday, actually. Yeah. Uh, is the people, yeah, they're doing the, you know, the shrug and drop or, yeah. or whatever it is, uh, you know, doing it for the gram. That one there is, you know, yes, it's going to damage the platform. It's going to damage the bars. It's going to damage the plates, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just being very aware of that. Now, slamming the weights, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's 700 pounds. That's tough to, you know, to touch that down. Yeah, in a competition, uh, you putting it on the floor is a slam to certain people. Yeah. It's and it's not people, correct. So, so just clarifying that one. But yeah, I thought it was funny when he came up. He's like, "Yeah, this guy's not gonna be very good equipment." He keeps no. on slamming weights down. I'm like, oh. well, I mean, at those hardcore gyms, that's occasionally what happens. People get super hardcore yeah. with things, and they don't yeah. have the best equipment to go along with it. Which equipment's important. Equipment is on that. I always do try to pick three or four things I look for. Just if I'm gonna rank something, always pick three. Just generally, I think environment, yeah. equipment, hours. That's how. That's how the yeah. three fly for me. Top three. And the last one that I'll share is, uh, you know, one of, one of our favorite folks who we'll be hearing from next week. Very excited. Fattest Illinois lifter. Yes. Uh, who trains there? I've made great progress out of garage gyms when I had the right people with me. I've also seen guys in incredible gyms, quote unquote, just do their own thing and never progress. Always insightful. Makes a ton of sense. I have also seen the same. Uh, folks who will come into a great gym environment and just not get involved because they either don't know people or they're shy, whatever. And amazingly, they're gone in two to three months because they just didn't make any progress. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that, who trains there is really important. It's huge. I mean, if, I had, the, if I had that close by me, it'll be hard not to go, even if I don't like the people there. But yeah. if I had people who are super knowledgeable, even though I don't like them, I probably will – just be there, one, to get challenged, and two, just to learn something. Here's the thing. Like, even if you don't like somebody, like, if you're training around them constantly, like, and you both are seeing the work you're putting in, that, I think, erodes the the issues people have with each other. Yeah. I just, I've seen that enough times. I, I There are guys in my training pod that I didn't particularly care for when I first started. Yeah. And, you know, I saved them a couple times. They've saved me plenty of times, and it's amazing that we've all seen the the blood, sweat, and tears. And I think that's one of the cool things about this sport that people forget about is when you're training alongside people and you see all the effort that goes into getting an extra five pounds onto your total, like, we all respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so through the comments, a lot of people are saying chalk. Looks like a lot of, like, I got, I just read, I think, seven seven comments that said chalk. That's, that's big, actually. Availability of chalk. Like... It's always great when your gym has chalk. When you see yeah. a gym with a big-ass bowl of chalk, you know you just went into a powerlifting gym. Or yep. a legit gym where they're or, looking to get stronger. CrossFit. CrossFit What's up? Or CrossFit box. One yeah. Two. Yeah. It's like they're it's like they're looking to get stronger, whether it be CrossFit, Olympic lifting, or powerlifting. You see chalk, they're looking to get stronger. So that's yep. uh, that's a good thing. Uh, I saw a lot of that. Um, slamming weights has been a big one. It looks, it looks like commercial gyms are aren't too cool about slamming weights. Uh, a gym where a dude doesn't bleed over the bar. Quit being a pussy. Um, let's see. Yeah, we got chalk. Community, don't bleed on the bar. The community and equipment, a uh, place where I can take off my shirt, low key, always good. I like that. I, I don't mind it. Uh, yeah, I'll take my shirt off. I do like that. I do like going to surge and being able to do that. Um, say, and like, only like on deadlifts though. You like when I take my shirt off? I don't think you do. Oh uh, no, no, not you, me. Um, That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, etiquette. Etiquette's really important. Um, I think etiquette can actually be lost in powerlifting gyms too. 
So etiquette, putting oh, away, yeah. putting away uh, your weights, all that kind of stuff, making sure everything's in its proper place, cleaning up after yourself. That's important to me. The, the nice thing, though, is with the smaller population, it's easier to catch the people who are assholes about that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I kind of like that. And, then, and I would say at every gym I've been to, no one has any problem calling people out on that. Like, hey, don't be a dick. Yeah, see, at Brick House, it was one of those things that was kind of awkward. Was if because sometimes I sometimes I get in a bad mood, and sometimes I'm in a bad mood, and I could come off as a sarcastic dick, and it, no. it, it yeah, it, it happens occasionally, uh, believe it or not. But it, like somebody <laughs> left their weights on, and I'm like, hey man, you gonna clean up your weight? Like, yep. Uh, oh, I was just gonna go do bench. I'm like, well, do I look like a maid to you? Because I'm not, I'm not doing it for you, dude. I'm about to deadlift. I'm like, and I'm not taking all your weights off, so you're gonna have to take it off. He's like, oh, okay, okay. Like, yep. shit, man. They're like, how the fuck do you not know to clean up your fucking plates? I, I have been that guy at the, at the Y and at Export. Like, really? Do I like? You can't. You have one more rep in you to go put the shit away. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. Um, we got Jim Shoe. Twenty four seven deadlift platforms. Deadlift platforms were big for me. That's the reason why I yeah. joined Brickhouse initially. Equipment, some rules, but not too many, and good people. But yeah, uh, yeah I the people rules the rules are still important. Use the bars properly. Yes, please don't use the the Mastodon bar for rack pulls or a great deadlift bar for rack pulls. For the love of God, or just don't do rack pulls. Do a block pulls. It just damages the bar. Uh, I was I was talking about with uh, Dylan Thompson yesterday. Um, he's yeah. like, "What's the difference between rack pulls and uh, block pulls?" I'm like, not a massive difference. I just don't like seeing the bar being slammed on another bar. I don't want to see. I don't want to see it bend. So I just like just do block pulls instead. So I mean, sometimes it's not. Uh, it's it's not accessible. Sometimes you're gonna have to do the rack pull uh, if the platforms are taken up, or if you want to do resistance band with it too. But yep. again, that I, I just when you have the option, I would say do block pulls just to save the bars. I'm big. See, that's an etiquette thing for me: saving the bars. That that's your new T-shirt: save the bars. Save the bars. Use bars <laughs> properly. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, also, having proper bars is big. I think a, a commercial gym, most USAPL lifters will be good. So yeah. Uh, as long as you have a power bar there, that's good. Um. John Chun, girls, girls, girls who power lift, and if they have weights, that's cool. So, yep, powerlifting girls, pretty good. That's that's fair. That's fair, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think I had one that I wanted to add in there. Um, yeah, vibe, atmosphere, that's been a big one. Yeah, bearded meat, <laughs> threw some shade yeah, in there. Decent yeah, quality equipment, say. racks, deadlift bar. Uh, Matt Steel Plates, good atmosphere, at least some like-minded members, and owner's not a complete snowflake bitch. All right. <laughs> wow. All right, take it easy. Yep. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't hold back ever. Oh, this is one. No, uh, our old friend, Claude DiPietro, powerlifting. Uh, competition equipment. For me, powerlifting, but if I was a strongman, then strongman equipment, and enough squat racks, and area to deadlift. Well always be worth paying for paying for to me the intangible factor is the energy in the gym some combination of friendly intense and supportive it's the feeling you get when you walk in where in where the gym itself makes you want to work harder so yep. 
pretty good summary there. And I do want to add, because uh, Mike is now also training at Surge with um, a few other people. What I do like about Surge, and it's been this kind of cool thing for me, is that I see the gym, and now I'm excited to do accessories. I'm excited ah. to do the other stuff that's not just squat bench and deadlift. I saw gotcha. my, um, I saw my, you know, a couple of my friends uh, do strongman kind of stuff over there, and it was really, really cool to see. And it's cool to see them doing an action, but also they can help me through the workout. When they help me through the workout, when they help me through a strongman training, one, I'll finally be motivated to do cardio, which I'm never motivated to do that. And two, I will get stronger in the process. I have that to my accessible to me now is those powerless or those strongman equipment that I could use properly. I could use effectively and it will help me become a better powerlifter in the process. So I understand what Michael's saying. I understand what he's coming from. I'm excited to do my accessories, and that's never been the case for me. Never been excited I mean, to do accessories. Now I am. Now I'm, I, like, after a squat workout, I'm like, all right, get to do the belt squat. I get to do the uh, reverse hyper. I get to do resistance band. Did resistance band for the first time with Mitch the other night. That nice. was pretty fun. Um, different feel to it. I can understand how that will help. Um, I, I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully, Dylan Thompson could take me through it. If you guys want to give him a follow, it's uh, Thor Games. I want him to take me through some uh, strongman workouts. I think that'll really really help me actually do cardio for once and two do. Um, no, I agree. I mean, doing I know I did it for for a decent amount of time uh, when I had more access to the Monster Garage. I actually got it now at uh, at Two XL. Yeah, just doing. Tire flips, tire flips are huge for helping with, with deadlift. Uh, doing the yoke walks, which I know you mentioned you were a little nervous about doing uh, the first time. First time you get under a yoke, it's it's pretty intimidating, but I'm telling you, you feel so much stronger with your walkouts. Uh, and even if something happens in the middle of a squat, you just feel so much more secure because those stabilizer muscles have been worked so much with, you know, basically running for 100 feet with, you know, 700 pounds on your back or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you'll, you'll see a tremendous carryover from, the access to the different equipment. And that's one of the things, if you, if you can find it, you know, cherish that because, and, and take care of that equipment and, um, take care of that gym because those things are, are so huge and so key to making massive, massive gains long-term, uh, you know, and, uh, if that's truly what your, your aim is. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that was our takes, our viewers takes on, uh, what qualities we look for when joining a gym. Great now, topic. That was, that was a solid solid call on that one. Yeah, solid topic. I like that. Uh, and I also, thank you for everyone who commented. I always appreciate that. Yep. Now, from one environment to the other. Here we go. In your opinion, would Westside Barbell have those ideal qualities that would make you want to join that gym? For me, this is for Robert Bain. Yeah. If it was just me, and so I'm going to take out all the other factors of my career, my family, the other things that will eventually have to intertwine through training. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I feel, and this is from knowing what I knew, the prerequisites about West Side, now having seen West Side versus the world, getting a little more just physically, like, seeing what the gym itself looks like. 
I feel it is very much an environment where I would excel because it, it kind of hits the different things that I always enjoy about sports, training, teams, et cetera. You've got a coach who's not going to let you drop the bar, no pun intended. Yeah. It's always going to be a very high bar set. It's an environment where people are going to push each other constantly, where you, in this case, literally have the best in the world training alongside you. Yeah. And, and also, it's an environment where you pretty much know you're on an unknown stopwatch. You don't know when that's, you know, that is gonna gonna hit for you. Kind of are anywhere you go in the sport, but I feel like there it's accelerated and it's kind yeah. of just this unspoken truth yeah. that everybody's aware of. Uh, and then it just to me, those dungeony type gyms, I love that. I've always loved that. That is always something that I uh, I envisioned whenever I thought about strength and training and being strong was those dungeon type gyms, and that was the first one I trained in uh, at Mount Mercy, where you know I started training in college. I mean, it was like two old athletic trainer rooms that they, they blew out one of the walls and they just threw a bunch of equipment in there and said, go at it, guys. Yeah. So I would like Westside if it wasn't so dictated by one person where it was very, very reliant on like this whole team aspect, which sure. team aspect is cool. But at the same time, I really – yesterday I got to train alone at Surge and it was awesome. Um, like two other people in the gym at a point, I was just the only person there. It felt really yeah. good to do that. I don't think you would ever have that – you won't ever have that possibility at a gym like Westside. Um, I I think it's a little too intense for me. I'm a little bit too new age to really uh, excel in that situation or Dog. excel in that environment. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Apollo Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he um, yeah. So I don't know if I'll be able to. I don't know if I would be able to excel that much in that environment. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I think I think I would be pretty logical because Louis said a lot. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, or people don't know what they're getting themselves into. I think I do know what I was, would be getting myself into if I go to Surge. So I mean, um, yeah. to Westside Barbell. So uh, <laughs> I Sergio has plans for you. Yeah, Sergio has crazy plans, but um, he uh, yeah. So like, so reason why I bring that up fits into our topic, but we have the review for you, Westside First World. Uh, really cool documentary that took you into the life of Louis Simmons, him as a coach, also inside the Westside Barbell uh, gym and the amount of world record breakers, the powerlifters that were in the gym and kind of the trials, tribulations, the drama between all the powerlifters in that gym and whatnot and their opinions on uh, Louis Simmons. Yeah. So, one. So I feel I feel we need to talk about this film, how it actually got made. Okay. Yeah, because I, I know a there's a story behind it. I don't know the story. So this is what I know, and, and I'm sure people will fact-check me on this, but uh, I, I poked around a couple times to make sure I was getting as close to the truth as I could. So this was originally Kickstart-funded in 2017, or 2016 into 17, and originally right around this time, 2017, so May-June, was when it was supposed to drop. Louis was at first apprehensive about it. The, the producer, you know, said he was going to paint Louis uh, in as real a light as he could. He didn't say good, bad. He said as real light as he could. And Louis eventually agreed to allow the cameras in, to allow old footage to come out, and to do interviews as long as this individual that he pointed to who did movies, I use that in quotations, was involved in the project. They set up all the stuff, got everything going. They got the Kickstarter money in to a joint account with the guy who did movies and the actual producer of West Side versus the World. And one morning, this guy skips town, 
thing counts drained and created this two-year saga of trying to re-kickstart all the money. Yeah. And, of course, people were saying, I'm not going to reinvest in this. I want my product. And so it became this big controversy of when is the film coming? When is it coming? When is it coming? And I believe the producer of the movie was forthright in what happened. He told people the stuff that went on and what he was trying to do. I mean, from what I'm told, he worked two to three jobs. He drove Ubers. He drove, drove lifts. Did everything he could to get that money back together. He did screenings of the film, so people basically saw it before you know it came out, um, and paid for that too, <laughs> to finally get all the final product. You know, get Ron Perlman in to narrate it, and finally dropped this past Tuesday, and seems to be getting a lot of traction. Like it's on Amazon, it's on iTunes. I mean, they 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 seem to have done that part right as mm-hmm. far as distribution. Yeah, and I think uh, I guess we go into like a full review of it, but if I think if you're a powerlifter, it's an interesting watch. Um, really, when I watched yes. it right during, I I want to lift some fucking weight. I was like, yeah. it's like I kind of want to lift weight now. It's it was it was cool to see that aspect of it. But I think if you're a powerlifter, it's it's cool to see, especially with the sacrifices they make. Kind of, it kind of makes you realize that your sacrifice is not as you're the what you're doing how hard you're working probably isn't as hard as how other people worked in the sport so there's people out there working harder than you and take it way more seriously than you so um that that was pretty eye-opening too yeah but for as Uh, far as just a regular film for people to watch interesting to an extent you probably just see like holy shit powerlifters are fucking whack jobs um and to an extent that they are but like like how bigger faster stronger was I think everyone can sit down and watch that documentary and be intrigued by it and think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be into bodybuilding or powerlifting or fitness to enjoy that uh, that documentary. This one, I think you got to be specifically a powerlifter to really like the movie. Uh, if you're not, you'll probably just be like, whoa, that's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. I So, you know, to your point, I had a friend who's not – a powerlifter, not a competitor by any stretch, probably the least competitive person I know. He watched it, and he's like, Louis a nut. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who this guy is. He's, he's a nut job. He is. Um, he, he, he truly is. But here's the thing is he has to be that borderline crazy to be the genius he is too. Yeah. I agree. He, and he's very much he's very much both. Yeah, and uh, that's what – And all right, so I guess we could kind of pick this up in like uh, just little uh, points here, like just kind of give a little tidbits – you're watching the the story just on Louis alone. Mm-hmm. You know, start out great powerlifter. Um, goes goes into his backstory about his love for sports, yeah. lifting weights, yep. uh, being an intense individual, that kind of stuff. But if you look at every single sport, if you look at coaches, if you look at athletes, they're not mentally right up there. They're not all no, there. You, the, you every what's up. You have to be off a little bit. You have to be off a little bit, and I would say a lot, because you look at a certain mentality that demands greatness, you can never be satisfied. You can almost never be happy. You have to continuously push yourself. People, you see the greatness of Michael Jordan, you see the greatness of Kobe Bryant. People don't have, their teammates of those guys who really don't like them. Michael Jordan was competitive in every aspect. He had an unhealthy competitive appetite. Like, you know, it didn't stop at the basketball court. He would no, fucking 
He would try to fucking beat you in a pickup game of basketball. He would try to beat you in a game of golf. He would try to beat you in a game of tennis. He would try to beat you at every single aspect of life. He would try to outdrink you. He would try to outplay you in cards. If, if, he oh, if he, if, if he saw a girl. Whatever. If, if you were with the girl that he liked, guess yep. who was going after that girl? Michael Jordan. Same thing with Kobe guess Bryant. Guess who's probably taking her home? Yeah. It's like he, but he, they, certain people won't stop to get what they want. And I think people have a really negative opinion of Louie. It's like, you have to be this way to get to an certain point. Certain people are, they are willing to push it to the limit. Other people's aren't willing to push it to the limit. And that's what I saw with Louie. Is he a dickhead? Is he mean? Of course he's a jackass at a point and he's a dick, but he has to be to, to get that out of people. I don't think he's even so much that. Is it because because he is so driven, mm-hmm. and he also, and this is, I think, also falls into the Jordan and Kobe type of mentality. You know, I call it the killer instinct because mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely what the two of them had. I think Louis has that too. It, but it's, it's a lack of empathy. It's like I just don't care that you don't like this. Yeah, this is what we need to do to make things happen. Yeah, and and that lack of caring. Some people say that comes off as being a jerk. And it's like, no, we just, we know what we need to do. We just don't need to go get the job done. Yeah. And, and then once the job is done, we need to find the next job. And also kind of knowing that they are going to hurt themselves. They are going to get injuries. They're going to get terrible injuries moving the weight. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I know this and I'm willing to get hurt. I'm willing to die for the number. I'm willing to get hurt for the number because that's what is important to him. That's what he wants. And it's the only thing and those he really statements, wants. Those statements, I think if a regular civilian watches this film, that freaks them out. It does, but at the same time, you don't think that's the case for every other sport. Like, it, and especially, all right, let's say that's uh, like uh, modern uh, sports are, are a little different. What's up? Are they willing to say it? Is somebody willing to say? Are you going to sit here and have Kobe Bryant sit across from you and you say, "Are you willing to die for that little orange ball?" If somebody directly asks him, he may say yes. Yeah. But again, I think it's, it's the manner in which Louis, so matter of fact, says, "I, I will die for this," and we we talked about it earlier. I mean, he's Captain Ahab. Yeah. It, as unhealthy as it is, I mean, that's, that's what he is. Mm-hmm. And and that's what this, you know, going back to kind of our, our review of the film here, that's what this film really, I think, uh, the more I think about it, and I've seen it now twice, that's what I keep thinking is that this is showing Louis as Captain Ahab, and then it, everything else is the collateral damage that comes from that. Yeah. And the glory, too, that kind of comes with it as well. I, I encompass all that is this. It's what's in the wake of Louis' pursuit of whatever it is he's mm-hmm. pursuing. Yeah, and the movie itself, I don't think paints him in a that positive of a light. I think it, it does a pretty good job of showing the positives and negatives of Louis Simmons. Um, I think because they describe him as Yoda, Eddie Cohen, and that fucking great line yeah. at the beginning of the movie. It's like, well, he, like he's like Yoda powerlifting. Actually, right now he looks like Yoda, so it's kinda perfect. Like, yeah. it's like he kind of actually good. looks like him too. That. But uh, he, and he, yeah, he kind of does look like Yoda. But uh, he, but when he was Give talking, a couple years, he might talk like him too. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but he, but like listening to him talk, because I've really never heard like too much of it. I enjoy listening to the talk, some of the sayings he had, some of the uh, just the the philosophy he had on certain things. I was, I think, surprised how intelligent and articulate he was. I had mm-hmm. a like a a certain view of him that. Like, okay, maybe he's just, you know, really intense kind of oddball, but he's he's intelligent. Lots going on up there. Um, oh, yeah. But at the same time, you could kind of see the ego of him and the lack of empathy, which a lot of people just 
flat out called him a dick on the the uh, documentary. Um, yeah, Mark Bell said, I fucking hate what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, well, Mark Bell threw a few shots in, especially with the end, but we'll get to that later. But, yeah, so, right. so uh, like, first part, I don't think the documentary painted, painted him as, like, being this genius or at the same time as an insane person. Kind of found that middle where you're going to have to be a little bit of both in order to yeah. reach either that level of greatness or even the collateral damage that you refer to. Yep. Um, another part of the documentary were the people who trained at Westside Barbell. Yes. Uh, the amount of world record records that they had uh, was insane. I mean, there's nothing like it. Uh, they took us through the WPO, which was really cool. I really enjoyed yeah. that aspect of it. That was that was cool, and it's like a lot of powerlifting organizations and uh, federations are trying to mimic that. Yeah, I mean, if, if what I'm excited about is that this movie is a great history lesson, and now with the WPO being back, yeah. I, I'm excited to see how this all continue. I'm, I'm hoping it is momentum for continued growth of the sport. Um, yeah, this, seeing the history on the WPO and, and what it was at one time, it's like, man, this this like they were on the cusp of almost having this thing be a little more mainstream. Yeah, for sure. And it, they described it as being like a professional wrestling kind of thing with yeah. powerlifting uh, as well. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of my vision for powerlifting meets is making it very similar. Oh, to yes. Yes, oh, yes. Eric Bischoff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed seeing that. Also, the people training at West Side, uh, the different personalities in there. I really enjoyed seeing that. And I told you before the show, it it was cool to see what powerlifting was before I got into powerlifting. Yeah. That super intense. You know, these people were just interested in moving iron and nothing else. They just wanted that number. They just wanted to be better than people. They wanted to be competitive. Which is not too far off of where we're at now. It's just, you know. I think it's a little bit more friendly now. It's a lot more oh, friendly. Yes. Which yes. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy with that. Um, because when you get into the different people training at Westside, it was, and Mark Bell said this, if you're at a gym and you see a guy break a world record or do really well at a meet, it's usually, or you would assume, fuck yeah, you see what he did? That's great. That's awesome. Can't believe you did that. At West Side, it was almost the opposite. We're like, that motherfucker, I'm going to go and try to take his record. And it was within the same gym, not like different teams yeah. and stuff. It was like, it's it's saying like, um, I mean, I'm sorry to use so many basketball references, but the playoffs are going on, so that's irrelevant at least. Yeah, like, exactly. Steph Curry scores 35 and uh, Kevin Durant scores 22. And he's like, that motherfucker just fucking yep. scored 35. He did better than me. It's like, well, you won the game by 10, man. You won the game by 20, dude. Chill. Yeah. West Side was kind of like that, which that environment probably isn't great, but it does breed greatness. That competitiveness within a place will take you to levels of the sport that you will never see because of that competitive and that's what it, And that's what it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that part going into that competitive aspect, the, the rivalry between the night crew and the morning crew, I thought that was a really cool aspect of it. It was interesting. Something that, again, a new age lifter like myself, who everything everyone's so lovey-dovey and they want to you know they want to train and help each other and want everyone to succeed what was the cliche that we always use powerlifting meets everyone's cheering you to get the weight up yeah not the case over there in the old school kind of ways no they they want they want that thing to crush you yeah yeah they you, they want you to lose they want to be stronger than you and they're looking yeah. for competitive advantages any way they can get uh, a bit of a cool like history lesson on equip lifting too 
Yeah, and so you saw the, the bench suits. I know you got excited about that. So yeah. the original iterations of them. So I yeah. Had to have a little fun with that one there for you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I I, I liked. I liked a, a lot of the stuff about the movie. I, for me, you know, I, I, I said a few things. Though. It almost felt propaganda y, but you kind of corrected me, and that was, that made sense. Um, I feel it, it gave me more questions than it answered for me. It is. I'm curious about a lot more things as well. I'm, a, I'm curious like about a lot more things. To, I feel like if we go back to Columbus for the article next year, we need to make sure we go there. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm still pretty intimidated of that place. I think I, me and I, Matt I, said I, that we, we had a conversation itself like about Westside and we're like, yeah. there is no fucking way I'm going to that place being 160 pounds and looking the way that I do. <laughs> like That's why you have me. It's kind of. Then they'll be like, <laughs> this guy could fucking leave. I don't give a shit what his raw uh, totals are. I don't give a fuck about that. It's like, yeah. uh, but it, it would be, it, it is kind of like a mecca of, of powerlifting. Yeah. Just and, like, you know, if we could get invited to, you know, the elite, the elite compound, like, it's just something you, you got to check out at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, of course, I'm invited. I got to go. But at the same time, like, I, I, I don't know if I'll uh, be too inclined to go um, based on just how I'll be received. But uh, also, the cool part about that was um, how it influenced other athletes to get involved with it. Uh, you saw yeah. strength and conditioning for the shitty St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, yep. uh, they can go fuck themselves. But uh, <laughs> Clemson, uh, strength and conditioning coach was there. Um, yep. People from the um, San Francisco 49ers, the pack, Packers, the Packers were, were on there, and yeah, uh, like a lot of people, a lot of high-profile athletes, including mixed martial artists. Um, yeah, I I did not know Kevin Randall. I actually, I now uh, Kevin Randleman, uh, back uh, old school UFC and Pride Fighter, fucking badass, badass human being, um, ridiculously strong, had one of the best physiques in UFC. I had no idea that he trained at Westside, but then I remember, because he went to Ohio State, national champion wrestler as well. Gotcha. Uh, went to Ohio State, trained over there, but I remember one of those old UFC things, he did have a Westside barbell shirt, and when I was a kid, I was like, that's a cool-looking shirt. I just thought it was a badass shirt. I remember they had a, a sponsorship deal with Muscle Farm back in the day. Yeah. And they were they were selling all the all the Westside stuff, and I didn't know what that was for for a long time. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, so I did not, yeah, the UFC fighters that go through there, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that Kevin Randleman went through there. Uh, they re- refer to Matt Brown, who's another complete badass. Yeah. Um, yep. Miocic, um, and a few of the guys who train out of Ohio, uh, they got some training from the Conjugate Method, which yeah, would help you with explosive power, and that will have carryover into sports. And I think that's where Louis and it would kind of make his his final mark is is there because I mean he he consults for thirty of the thirty two NFL teams yeah uh, they mentioned that in the, in the film so uh, don't want to get too much into it I don't know if there's any other points you wanted to hit on it because I want people I do want people to see the movie because mm-hmm. I think it's if you're serious about this sport I think it's an important piece you need to watch yeah we should have actually just told everyone to uh, view the video who watches the show or view the film and watch the show and then we could talk about it so you're not completely lost. It's kind of like a book reading, like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday book reading, but uh, but in this case, it's but a, I, but a, a, I'll be a honest, I was so viewing. excited about this thing. I got my alert at whatever, like two thirty on my iTunes, that it was ready, and I saw the alert. I went back to sleep. I woke up at like four thirty and I watched it that morning. Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was pretty cool to see that. Um, Let's see if there's any other things I wanted to touch on. Oh yeah, um, so stuff that's uh, kind of near and dear to us. 
and some of our listeners, they kind of did refer to the um, the new generation of powerlifters yeah. and the social media trend. And uh, yes. poor Dave Hoff was reading off the negative comments that he got on YouTube and like Instagram and all that stuff. And he's fucking. I I I don't know what it is about him that I like. There's just something about him that I like, just based on how he he's, talks. Yeah, I I want to meet Hoff in person. Yeah, I I really do. I and I they showed the what, APF meet that uh was at about about a third of the meets they were showing were like meets put on by Two XL. Yeah, and the Illinois APF, which is pretty cool. I, it was I it was cool to see that. And I'm like, oh, I recognize that venue. It's like that's where I lifted. That's where I had nationals. But, yes, uh, yes. but yeah, when he was reading off the negative comments, like, you know, uh, they were criticizing the bench, the iffy squat, and I will go on record and say, yeah, I don't know how low his squat is. Um, I thought his deadlift too. I thought he slipped on his deadlift as well and did not walk out or go with the complete motion down. But, um, they, they talked about the social media and kind of the negative, the negative feedback that equip lifting is getting. Mm-hmm. and a new trend for raw lifting and yep. that's where mark bell kind of called out uh louis simmons he called him kind of a coward in that sense is like where's it's a cowardly thing to kind of tuck behind equip lifting when raw lifting is becoming the the forefront of powerlifting, and they're still referring raw as with wraps yeah correct yeah. the the naked knee i'll venture to say like this will probably be one of the last couple of years that you see really anybody doing naked knee outside of, like, beginner-type meets. Yeah. I, if nothing else, like, I just see people at least wearing sleeves. Um, but, yeah, just going going to wraps. Um, a little disappointing to me personally, but that's, that's my own personal I don't know about it. wraps. I think sleeves. I think sleeves will be the raw category. That, that'll that be considered raw-raw, yeah. But it's the, the naked knee going away. I just, you know, kind of don't like that. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. I have sleeves on. They don't do much. They don't really like if you get you know a couple sizes too small you might get 10 pounds out of them it's not a lot of pop uh but again i just i there's something about the naked knee squat that i don't know it just kind of does it for me that's again just my own personal opinion on that yeah because i was always pretty i i've never viewed us we us being in a different division as sleeved lifters because that's that is raw extremely similar yeah that's that's raw i I don't see how anyone could really get too much of an advantage out of it. Even if you have two sizes too small. 10, 15 pounds, maybe. Maybe. But, yeah. Um, we asked a question also yesterday on Westside, or uh, uh, just asking our viewers the opinions that they have on Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell. Yeah. And, um, again, because we were obviously part of this new age powerlifting, which in the movie you could see that Louis Simmons does not like this new trend going on with the phones with the social media with people just playing around and that kind of stuff so um he probably isn't looking too much on instagram looking too much on facebook or youtube and that kind of stuff where most powerlifters are now and i wanted to get your people the people who listen to the show and the people who follow us opinions on him because we have a pretty wide demographic but the demographic for me is you know like 18 through 25 years old yep so i got legend strongest gym in the world uh, dope, goats, no argument. But then I have clown. Um, don't care how wide the squat stance is, just hit depth. Uh, method that ends up misleading and ruining the training of most. Uh, being badass is cool and all, but it's not worth living out your 
living out of your car or having severe injuries. Um, he's not fond of breaking each other's necks. Unhelpful for raw lifting. Gear lifting is dumb. So very polarizing. You got dope legend. Unhelpful for raw gear lifting is stupid. Uh, it I is literally good. got nothing but goat emojis. Oh really? All I got. Yeah. Well, that that's, talks about the demographics. Yep. Because these guys are younger. Um, it is good that he develops new training methods, but many people have issues with the steroids. I guess. But I guess that's. I don't think that's Bluey's doing though. He's very different and misunderstood. I feel like Royds has a lot to do with it. Okay. Uh, I like conjugate. I like their mentality to do whatever it takes to put more weight on and cheating. So they're, I don't know what exactly his, uh, his take is on that. He's a football player though. Not a huge fan of the West side method for raw, but love West side in general, slightly overrated, but mostly useful. Uh, great guy, great gym, but there's been a lot of subpar lifts coming out of there lately. So we got a, we got a lot of criticism and we got a lot of praise from it. It's like, it's, it's so funny that one people can consider him as a goat and the best, and then a other person thinking he's a complete clown. It's such an interesting there's, difference there. It really is, and there's, because there's no in-between, I, I I just wonder, is it because we have folks who just, they are more historians of the sport, and you know, to your point, most of your demographic is a lot younger, is they just don't know other than what they've heard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so if I'm going to rate this movie, I'll give it two white lights, I guess. I don't know. Should we, <laughs> should we do it based on three lights? Um, two white lights, I, for sure. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it two white lights, man. Yeah, I'll give it two white lights. Uh, it was yeah. a really good documentary to watch. It was interesting. I developed a, I developed a respect for the old school powerlifting. Like, I did, I do kind of want to just take that time machine and be in that sport at that given time. See and just see how it is. Yeah, I, I will say this: there was at the end of the movie, there is a, an interview that's going on, and the guy talks about his son was a state champion swimmer, mm-hmm. and he never saw a meet ever. Yeah, that was that was because pretty crazy. We, because Wednesday was bench night, and yeah. that to me was one of the more eye-opening uh, statements. Yeah, in the whole movie. Yeah, that was that was interesting to me, and the amount of sacrifices that they made. Um, the drama that went I, on the gym. Oh, by the I way, never heard of that dude, huh? Because I had never heard of him. Yeah, me, me too. So it seems like he was mostly, either probably a good powerlifter, but also helping out just a lot with yeah. uh, weights. Wait, who was? I can't believe uh, Vagopol. Chuck. Yeah, I. Everyone on everyone on Westside looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin with more steroids. Yep. And that guy, though, I'm like, that is what I envision a powerlifter to be. He is an Chuck. animal. It was I mean, so just a nut. That was a cool part of that. The drama that was going in the gym too, with like maybe sabotaging Louis sabotaging, was interesting and eye opening to me. And I can't believe that that type of stuff would happen. But yeah, Chuck. God, like I just saw him. Like he is what I envision powerlifting to be. That guy. He's a volcano, man. Like, that guy. And I know they said it in the movie. Like he is. He's shredded. He's strong as all get out. He is like beyond intense. Yeah. He's he's like just a lone a lone wolf. Yeah, I that was one that was one thing I really enjoyed uh, yeah. watching was just the old powerlifters, but at the same time him in general. I'm like that is, I think depicts powerlifting: blood, muscles, crazy lifts, and intensity. 
Yeah, Everything I don't do I would, aside from the blood. I would love to meet this dude. Yeah, um, he kind of scares me. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Kind of scares me. I don't know exactly. I I don't know exactly what I'll talk about. I'll be like, oh, you're uh, real strong, dude. <laughs> then he just punch my I punch a hole through my fucking chest. He might. He might. <laughs> he did because he doesn't seem friendly. None of the guys on the west side seem like, you know, friendly type of dudes. Generally speaking, no, they don't. Yep. All right, so I would suggest checking it out if you guys are listening to the show. Um, yep. And you know, uh, tell tell them that we sent you. Yeah, give give us your takes too. You watch you watch it, and you know, send us a DM, send you know whatever. Tell us what you think. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's gonna wrap up today's show. You wanted a quick technique tip, right? Uh, I think we're good, but I, I can do it. I mean, because given my experience yesterday, I, I think it, it's it's pertinent. Yeah, do it. Um, it's like thirty seconds. Yeah. When you stand up with a deadlift and you get the down command, hold it for a second. Especially yeah. if it's your last one. Yeah. Just sit, enjoy the moment, set the weight down, and please do not flip off the lights regardless of the decision. Yeah, don't do that. Also, setting the bar down gently is much more badass than dropping it. 100%. That just shows that you can control the fuck out of that weight. So that's like that's like kind of a cocky thing to do. I think is dropping it really slightly on the ground or like really gently on the ground. Do it if it, you want. It, it really is. Turn like some heads. I, especially especially if lightly. you had the meat one. Yeah. And you just set it down like it, it's one of those. And I'll quote a, a show. I'm not even sure what the show is, but this isn't even my final form. Like that's really. I think it's correct. What that kind of? Yeah, it's really what that kind of feels like to me. Like you have no idea how strong I am, and, and I kind of love that. Yep. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's show. We got some good interviews coming up in future shows as well. Got a lot of confirmed yes. people. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. Getting DMs, too, from other powerlifters for uh, them be wanting very, to be on shows. This will be a very fun summer, man. I'm really excited about this. Yep, for sure. So check us out on Iron Authority. Big shout-out to Iron Authority. Uh, iTunes, subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Review it for us. And, um, yeah, anything you want to add? Uh, that's it, man. I think you, I think you hit it all. All right. Happy Mother's Day. I'll see you guys next week. This is.